The Doctor is In is a co-production of Bobby Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. I have decided to use Facebook principles to expand my circle of friends. So, every day, when I'm out and about, I tell people what I've eaten, how I feel at that moment, what I did the night before, what I'm going to do tomorrow, people I'm going to hang around with. Then I give them pictures of my family, my dog, me polishing the car, painting in the garage. I do all those things. Then I give them high fives. I give them thumbs up. Tell them I like them. I listen in on their conversations. I comment on their conversations. It's working. It's really working. I've already got uh, four followers, a psychiatrist, two police officers, and a therapist. So it's working. It's working. Don't tell me, therapist. Don't tell me Facebook doesn't work. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In, as the man said. This is a call-in program. I am the callee. You are the caller there's an intermediate step. It's not very difficult. You'll probably talk to Eric Dumont, our call screamer. You tell him what your situation is, what your question is. You can give him uh, suggestions on how to help somebody else who called. You can ask a generic question, something you don't understand about the world of psychology or the world of psychology as it intersects with faith. Or generic terms. Dr. Ray, do you think narcissist is being thrown around too much? Well, I haven't thought about it. I'm just too caught up in uh, what I believe about things. So the number is 877-573-7825. Now, that's not an easy number to remember. More easy is 877-57-EQUAL. 877-57-EQUAL. The business of the call. First of all, I absolutely, with incredible gratitude, have to thank the people at St. Gabriel Radio in Columbus and anybody who might be listening from uh, Dominican University. We had four tapings of the television show there. It was uh, so hospitable from those folks. And by the way, this is the only time they asked me what I wanted. And I said, I want M&Ms with the greens removed and the reds cut in half. No one has ever obliged that one. They did. Can't believe those folks. They did. And 
Dave, the engineer there, was very gracious. Everybody, every Bill Messerly and uh, Margie, ah, oh, people were something else. So I hope somebody there is. I don't think anybody really listens to me there at St. Gabriel, but hopefully one of you people in the Columbus area can go tell them how much I appreciate them. Also want to thank Armor of God Radio. What a conference that was. Tom McNew, his lovely wife, uh, gave us a phenomenal care package when we came in visiting my son down at Fort Hood. So that was a wonderful weekend, and I want to thank Tom and Lisa Marie and all the folks down there, all the all the ex-military, which is which is good. This is great to meet all those people. <sighs> okay, I'm going to Gospel Missions this Saturday, Evans City, Pennsylvania. If you want details on that? Just go to the website drray.com. Uh, there are they're taking they're still taking folks, and then after that, I'm heading up to Escanaba, Upper Peninsula. For those of you who do not know your geography, on Monday. Monday night, I'll be talking to the parents. Uh, Monday day, I'll be talking to the teachers. Hey, they just told me from St. Gabriel they heard me. Somebody there listens. I appreciate that. One more thing. One more thing. Just want to tell you. Station of the Cross. They've been with EWTM for 24 years. I remember back when I first was broadcasting with them. Yeah, one, maybe two stations. They now serve New York, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Ohio. 20 stations. 20 stations. Congratulations, Jim Wright. Been there the whole time, folks at Station of the Cross. They also produced the Catholic Current with Father Robert Mateague, very erudite man, very thoughtful priest. So congratulations to all of them. All right. Let's get to my opening monologue. I was 14 years old, and my dad said, Rame, that's what they used to call me instead of Raymond, Rame, Rame, take these folding chairs down to the basement. We had had some kind of gathering the night before, and folding chairs were upstairs. Yeah, you remember folding chairs, don't you? There's four of them. Now, a smart person would have taken them two at a time. No, 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 no. I'm an adolescent. First of all, I'm invulnerable, and second of all, I'm not going to take two trips up and down the steps. So I put two chairs under each arm, kind of like crutches, moving along pretty smooth there, you know, until I got to the top step of the basement. At that time, I hadn't really taken any classes on physics yet, so I stepped off the landing down to the first step. Step. The chairs acted like a hoist. They lifted me off the ground totally, and I made a very quick trip down the steps. Matter of fact, I didn't touch any step. I hit the concrete floor with both steps, all four of the chairs. My dad, who was in the bathroom, I remember this, he was in the bathroom, came running out of the bathroom, looking down at me, buried underneath four folding chairs. Rame, Rame, you all right? I go, yeah, Pop, I'm okay, I'm okay. And I was, I was. Now, I was 14. You know, when you're 14, you're, you, you can take some pretty good falls. I do that now, 
And, well, it's the end of this radio show. What's my point? You could say that that dive, that Superman flying down those steps did not hurt me. It didn't. I, I really, I wasn't even bruised. Didn't hurt me. Don't know how that happened. Was that 12-step dive good for me? No. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't want to push my luck trying it again or maybe a third time. What's the analogy here? The analogy is to assault someone. Now, okay, not someone. Something said by someone. Well, it's not going to hurt them. For example, a video game, some movie, something that is really inappropriate. It's nasty. It's violent. It's it's ugly. It's evil. And the kid wants to play it, wants to watch it, wants to do it. And and we dads, we dads are a little more guilty of this than moms. Moms are a little more protective about this. The dads will say, oh, it's not going to hurt him. And it may not really in the short term. But is it good for him? You see, that, that dive bomb down the steps was not good for me. It didn't hurt me, but it wasn't good for me. That's the question you have to ask. Too many parents, I believe, get lazy and they allow things that a child can watch or see or experience or explore because they don't want to really supervise it or they don't want to stand in the way of it. So they just say it's not going to hurt them. That's not the question. People can get shot. And recover it. Does that mean it was good for him? Well, Dr. Ray had hurt him. Yeah, it did in the short term, but they healed from it. So the question is not, is it going to hurt him? The question is, is it going to help him? With the virtues that you want him to have, the way you want to raise him. That is one of the more dumb defensive things that parents say. What's it going to hurt? That, that, that makes no sense. And when somebody says that, you, you got to be thinking, is that your only rationale? That's the best you can come up with? I didn't experiment again with those four folding chairs under my armpits, stepping down. Seeing how many times I could do it before it actually hurt me badly or bad. You can use both. Same thing with taking in stuff that isn't good for the soul. How many times do you have to do it before it does hurt? 877-573-7825. 877-57-EQUAL. This is Dr. Ray. I appreciate very much you joining me. 
The wisdom of Mother Angelica. The devil will always do his best to tempt you into sin until you get to that place where you love sin. That's what he wants. He wants you down there with him. And not because he loves you, he hates you. When you do what the enemy tempts you to do, he does it out of pure hatred. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual fund. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. This program is brought to you in part by MyLifeAngels.com. MyLifeAngels provides peace of mind by notifying you the moment a loved one enters an emergency room. Right on your smartphone, you'll have instant access to everything needed, including all legal documents to ensure you are empowered to protect their life-affirming wishes. MyLifeAngels also alerts hospital ER staff with critical medical information and emergency contacts. More information at MyLifeAngels.com. Underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Don't pull away from the radio too fast. If you have to go, you'll get IQ bends. Your IQ will have been up for a certain period of time, and if you just pull away, headaches, blurred vision, things like that could occur. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call. Asking you to be patient because I'm going to go straight to the situations. Rick from Nebraska did email me. He has a foster child. Hi, Rick. Sir? Yes, sir. Thanks for the call. Yep. Um, so just a little background. Um, the uh, We have a foster child boy and his sister. Uh, he is he <clears throat> currently is about 18 months, but we uh, took them in a little bit before he was one. Uh, initially, he was uh, pretty independent, but we had learned from the uh, visitation that he had with his mom during the, the foster time that uh, mom really didn't pay any attention to him and, and really coddled the uh, older sibling a lot. Um, I feel like he's gaining um, or, or becoming more comfortable with affection and, and physical contact and that kind of thing, but uh, I feel like now he's becoming too dependent on it. And so now that he realizes that he can have some, some physical comfort, he, he doesn't like it when we set him down or we leave the room. So I don't know if it's like an abandonment issue or something similar. And, and I guess I'm looking for some direction or uh, feedback on maybe uh, how we can handle that. Cause I don't want to reinforce his crying behavior when we set him down, but in the same breath, I don't, I don't want to ignore him. Well, are you ignoring him just because you set him down every so often? Is that ignoring him? Nope. Nope. He's one but and I don't a half. Just, 
So that's kind of mm -hmm. prime tempered tantrum age. You can probably. Yeah, I, I just don't want. Go ahead. Go I'm ahead. sorry. Go ahead. I, I just don't want to. Um, um, I know what reinforce you're the, the behavior of him crying or, or when he cries, he gets attention. I'll take it a step further. That way. You don't want to mess his psyche up. Because you don't well, know his sure. history in full, do you? Nope. I know. So you're thinking, okay, this poor kid, he's probably got drug alcohol exposed in the womb. Probably got some neurological thinning, maybe, perhaps. Uh, maybe some early neglect, etc. And now you're thinking, well, he, he does need to know that he's accepted and loved and attached. That's wonderful. That's what he needs. This kid needs that kind of affection reassurance, right? That's what you're thinking, right? Yes. Okay. So are you willing to hold him as much as he wants to be held at all times in everything you do? I don't know how you're going to change the oil on the car with one hand on him and one hand on the on the wrench. But No, absolutely not. There's, there's no way I can do that 100% of the time. Okay. So what we've established is that he's not going to be happy about it when you do it only 64% of the time. Right? Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what kind of unhappy does he manifest? Uh, at first, if, if we're in the room and he wants attention, he'll just he'll cry and lay down and, you know, crocodile tears. And then if we're gone, then he gets a little bit more physical. Maybe he'll roll around on the ground or arch his back or throw things or stuff like that. So, Right. You can't let him throw things. But if he's just kind of rolling right. around and he's not banging into anything, you can probably just blow that off. He's only one and a half. It's kind of a situation where you can't really discipline him because he's so young. But what you could do is, if you wish, if these if these are upset emotion tantrums, and you say, okay, wait a minute, we 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 got to kind of teach him here that you just can't melt down every time we don't pick you up and hold you whenever you want. Uh, you can put him in his crib. You can put him in his high chair and strap him in. You can do that. You can sit him on the steps if he'll stay. Um, I guess the question here, Rick, is are you messing up his little psyche if you don't each and every time that he wishes affection acquiesce? That's the question. No, no, I don't believe I am. Okay. Well, then at this at this point, he's going to get upset during those times when you don't. I think it's safe to say, if you're a foster father and you're listening to Catholic Radio, that you are motivated by your faith. Take care of the little ones. That's what you want to do. And that's what you're doing. And you may even adopt this little guy, right? We'll see how that pans out. All right. So given that, I'm going to make an assumption here. The assumption is that you're a loving, affectionate family. You're going to show this little guy that he's loved and cared for and he can feel secure. But that doesn't mean each and every single time at his one-and-a-half-year-old mind stage, you have to say, well, okay, I better do this or otherwise he'll melt down. No, I think at this point you got to teach him not to melt down in his unhappiness. The first step will be no meltdown, and then the second step will be I can acquiesce 
to when I don't always get the affection for the moment that I want. Now, I know, Rick, I know there are people listening who are thinking, Dr. Ray, Dr. Ray, you give that kid each and every piece of affection that he wants at all times because you have no idea what his history was and you have no idea how much he was neglected. And Rick said that his his birth mom kind of favors the older daughter, so come on. But reality has to enter in. Like you said, you you have to do other things. You gotta cook a meal. You gotta mow the lawn. You gotta go to bed. You gotta take a nap. You gotta read. You gotta do things. So at some level, he's gotta be taught. You can't re you can't comply a hundred percent of the time. It's just not possible. So you're not messing up his head because you're probably giving him a whole lot of affection and love otherwise anyway. And two, you're going to probably have to deal with the meltdowns because he'll just he'll just respond that way. And if your wife or you pick him up even one out of five times in a meltdown, you'll keep it going. Okay. Do you ever play a slot machine, Rick? Maybe. <laughs> well, people play slot machines and they pound away at them. Why? Because slot machines are what the shrink types call a variable ratio reinforcement schedule, which means they pay off at random, which is the most powerful reinforcement schedule for keeping a behavior alive. So if you pay off at random, Every third fit or every fifth or sixth fit or whenever, you'll keep it alive. Okay. There you go, bud. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. I'll talk to you. I wanted to make that a look-back call, but I talk too much. You know? It was kind of an instructional call on my part, but but I wanted to because there were many, many aspects to that call. Okie dokie, let's see what... Oh, that's a good one there. Okay, John. John from Cincinnati, Ohio. Hi, John. Hi. Hello there, sir. You, uh, are you the one uh, taking the whole Eucharist to uh, someone yes. that's uh, not able to come to Mass? Okay. Yes. What makes you think that you have to discern whether they're in a state of grace? The individual sometimes is sometimes someone, they're older, but I'm pretty sure they haven't made their Easter duty. They may not have gone to confession once a year. They may be a perfectly nice person and they aren't running around robbing banks or killing people. But I think the precept is, and I don't know if, uh, I think you have to have a serious sin, you know it's serious and you got to give your full consent. So, you know, I feel like I'm playing God if I'm responsible to know the condition of their soul. And sometimes I'm pretty sure that, well, it would have been a sin for me, but I don't know what it is for them. What percentage of the people in Mass that you attend go to communion? Quite a few. I, I'd say high, um, particularly in recent years, I've noticed and. I remember hearing on the radio, someone said the ushers just line up and wave everybody up to the communion rail. 
And yeah, it's 90 to 95. Older days, My experience is 90 to 95%. Yeah, and the old, back when I was a kid, it was, fi- it was 50% if that. Yeah. So do you think that all of those folks going up there have indeed lived a non-serious sin existence? Probably not. Probably not. I think that's safe to say. The priest is not responsible unless he has absolute definitive knowledge to deny anyone communion, to ascertain whether they are in the state of grace to receive communion. You might, if you wish, you might tell the person after you give them the Holy Eucharist, you might say, well, hope to see you at Mass or hope to see you at Confession. Kind of give them, give them a little reminder that this is part and parcel of their, of their faithfulness as a Catholic. Okay, but you're under no obligation to say, well, I really highly suspect they're not in the state of grace, so I can't, I got to deny communion. No, no, that is not your place, John. Sixty seconds with Father Mitch Pacwa. This communion with Jesus and with one another, that being united to him and abiding in him, that is the indispensable condition for bearing fruit. That's why our Lord says back in John 15, verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're not united to Christ, you're not going to do anything for him. So communion with Jesus, our Savior, focusing on him and getting to know him and be known by him. That is what makes it possible for us to bear fruit as Christians. And communion with others is the most magnificent fruit that the branches can give. That's one of the things that he's looking for from us, that we have a communion with one another, that we have a love and a concern. Does it mean we agree with one another? Not necessarily. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Miracles are miracles because they're different than regular daily life. A miracle is a reminder that something beyond nature can act within nature. Miracles are meant to open our eyes that more is always going on than just the normal humdrum of the daily life. Miracles are supposed to make us realize that our moral choices are impacting an invisible world that once in a while breaks through into our workaday world. The Blessed Mother predicted the miracle of the Son, and she made it clear that she was using it as proof of the truth of her message. In other words, when the sun stops dancing and you get back to church, to work, to home, remember what's at stake when you pray the rosary. Cresta in the afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Gregory. Appreciate very much the company. All righty, what we got here? Elizabeth wants to make a quick comment on what what she heard me say. Hi, Elizabeth. 
Hi, Dr. Ray. Joy, always talking with you. It is a joy to listen to you talk about what a joy it is to talk with me. Well, so I just wanted to call in and make a quick comment at the start of your show. You mentioned Fort Hood. And I know it's Fort Cavazos. I know that. Oh, come on. Well, I, know. I just wanted to make sure you were keeping up with the times. Oh, I Very know. Very important I know. But it was interesting. A lot of the folks there continued to call it Fort Hood, even though they knew it had been renamed. Yeah. I just uh, wondered. Well, I kind of have an idea of your thoughts around that. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, it's what it is, it's chronological snobbery. What we say is, okay, you know, those people way back then didn't have the sensitivity that we have, so therefore we have to erase their insensitivity. You know, some I only hope that someday somebody's going to look back on us. Somebody with enough influence or somebody's, let's put it that way, the culture is going to say, do you believe they actually celebrated killing babies? Do you believe that? What kind of barbarians were they? Yeah. Right. I'm hoping. I know. I was waiting for you to correct me. Ha! I was a step Uh, ahead of you. Where's it going to end? I know, Elizabeth. Thank you, my dear. Thank you for the call. Thank you. All righty. If you see me stumble again, you call in. All right. All right, what do we got here? We got uh, Lee. That's an interesting scenario. That does happen. Hi, Lee. How are you? Good, Dr. Ray. Pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. Well, your pleasure. And then uh, we just had Elizabeth say, I'm a joy. So uh, you guys want to get a thesaurus and just start uh, reeling off the words. That's okay with me. (laughs) Will do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm calling today because about a month and a half ago, My four-year-old grandson got separated from mom at the zoo for less than five minutes. However, now she can't even walk out of the room without him saying, where's mom, and immediately crying, and he's very fearful. Um, And he's supposed to go to preschool in about a week and a half. What would you suggest? Well, forget it. He's not gone to preschool. He's not gone to first grade. He's not gone to second grade. That's it. Hopefully, he'll be able to go to college. So I'm hoping. I hope so. You know? Oh, me too. So what does mom do when he gets upset? She just reassures him, I'm here. I'm in the next room, or I went down the basement, or I just went out to the garage for a minute. I'm here. And does he calm down? Only when he sees her. Does he follow her? Not if he's really involved in something, no. And not if she, you know, if she happens to forget to check, you know, to say, oh, I'm going to run downstairs for a minute, then he's frantic. But he's he's number three in a line of four kids. He's got so older brothers like, and sisters? Yes. Obviously, obviously older, he does if he's number three. Yeah, what, yeah, that's a dumb question. Well, does he take comfort that they're in the same room? No. Oh, it's got to be mom. Well, here's what mom needs to do. In full view of him, she needs to put her hands on the shoulders, possibly if an older daughter, and say, Mm -hmm. 
By the authority vested in me, I allow you status of mother in my absence. No, I'm being facetious. Being oh, facetious. Oh, good. Because I don't okay. think that would work. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. I know that. Uh, first of all, a lot of kids do this without having had a scary experience like that little guy had. Mm-hmm. But a lot of them just out of nowhere do this. I don't At want that you. Age. Oh, yeah, that's, that's prime cool. age for it, three to six. Yeah, oh. That's prime age. Mm-hmm. I would say that she's going to have to slowly wean him. Mm. And by that, maybe ease up on the reassurance. Mm. You know, uh, and, and mm-hmm. in, inch by inch, not tell him that she's gone to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope he doesn't throw a fit. I hope he just is kind of weepily distressed. Is that the way it is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when yeah. she comes back, she can say, see, I came back. So mm-hmm. what she's doing is she's reversing it. She's she's kind of easing her way out of this whole reassurance thing because that isn't working. It's making it worse probably, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. So mm-hmm. what she can do is slowly cease doing that. Oh, she could go cold turkey if she wants. He'll probably, you know, he'll probably melt down quite a bit. And then she mm-hmm. comes back and says, see, I'm back. I'm always coming back. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and you know what she tells him? Yeah. Okay. Then mm-hmm. she can tell him this. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're 15, you're not going to want me around. Just understand <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, Do you think preschool is going to be a disaster? Oh, he'll yeah, he'll he'll melt down and he'll carry on and yeah. do all that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of it will mm-hmm. depend on how they choose to handle it. If they mm-hmm. say, she yeah, yeah, we the two older ones walk them in uh, yeah. because they go to school at the same time. Okay. Would that That's be a cool. good idea? Sure. Yeah. But but here's the thing mm-hmm. though she's she's got to wean him from this idea that I'm not safe if you're out of my sight. And the way uh-huh. to wean him is to slowly stop this kind of reassurance and to ease up. On all the, mm-hmm. uh, I'm okay. I'm in the next room. Do you hear my voice? I'm doing fine. Mm-hmm. Hear that? No, that. See that? It, if that were to work, it would be working. Instead, right. Lee, it's it's kind of making it worse. Right. Well, uh-huh. he could be playing in another room, and then he realizes he doesn't realizes. see her, and That's then right. he starts, Look and out. she shouts, "I'm in the other room," or "I'm down the basement." You know. I. I and, if yeah. it were me, I would probably slowly stop doing that. Okay. Because mm-hmm. because if she says I'm in the other room, well he gets up and goes right, right, That's right. It. He doesn't he doesn't keep playing. If she no. says I'm in the other room and he keeps playing, but he doesn't do that, it's like I'm going to no. find out what other room you're in and I'm coming in yes. there. Poor thing yes. can't even go to. So how long has it been since she's gone to the bathroom? <laughs> I mean that's tough. You know? It's very tough. Yeah, yeah, it's tough being a mom. Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we never had any of our ten kids do that, and I'm starting to feel a little, a little hurt that that mm-hmm. none of them ever said, "Hey, Dad, I care where you're at." None. Mm-hmm. Boy, mm-hmm. oh boy, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to have a talk with some of these children. Well, Why I just think you... that she sometimes worries: Are we getting into some kind of an anxiety issue? I knew it. It always is. Doggone it! It's always there. I know. I know. It's just like our previous yeah. call with with Dad there with the with the one and a yeah. half year old foster kid. Parents yeah. are now so skittish about, well, I know. if I handle this with just common sense and good sense, mm-hmm. I'm messing my kid up. Boy, I've written about that in so many of my books. 
As a matter of fact, it was it was the it was the theme of my first book. You're a better parent than you think, which is parents are getting so neurotic. All right, Lee. Thank you for the call, dear. This is Dr. Ray. Eight seven seven fifty seven equal. Got time? Got time for more calls? The following is a medical moment. Hi, I'm Bobby Schindler, brother of Terry Schiavo. An advanced care planning document, or ACP, is one kind of advanced directive, providing a written statement of a person's desired medical treatments in the future. A recent study titled, What's Wrong with Advanced Care Planning, concluded that there is a gap between hypothetical scenarios and real-world decision-making. Another study found that 80% of emergency room physicians misinterpreted an ACP as a do-not-resuscitate order. Another issue is that any disagreement between medical professionals and the patient's healthcare agent regarding specific ACP language may undermine the patient's ultimate wishes. Your best bet is never to sign an advanced care planning document, such as a pulse form when admitted to a hospital. And make sure your healthcare durable power of attorney has a provision which invalidates any previously signed ACP. This medical moment brought to you by MyLifeAngels.com. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. We are in an age where the culture is taking over so strongly, and we need to be effective communicators. One-on-one, online, in interviews, phone conversations. Doesn't mean that every person is going to have a degree, that every person is going to know how to do a podcast, but we need to first form ourselves in prayer and know the faith and then at least know something. If we're going to be evangelizing and out there on whatever platform on a regular basis, but are we making sure that we are doing it to the best of our ability, prayerfully, but also in a way to communicate effectively? How do we get that message across? How are we approaching people? Are we being kind? Are we giving them accurate information? Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern, on EWTN Radio. Real nice to be with you. What a privilege this is. My gosh. This is one of those jobs where you tell people what you do and they say, You actually get paid for doing that? I do. I'm gonna. I'm entering into negotiations with EWTN, though. Uh, they pay me by the hour, and and Ave does too. But I'm gonna. I'm gonna see if I can get that changed to being paid by the word, which means if you talk to me, I don't get paid. So I'll probably interrupt you after about yeah, maybe a sentence. That's about all I'll let you say because I get paid by the word. Lewis from Texas. Had a, not, we got another fear situation in a little one. Hey, Lewis, how are you? Okay, Dr. Ray, how are you doing? Okay, sir. Uh, you know, good. Good. I don't know what part of Texas you were in, but when we went down there in uh, Killeen to, spoke with the, to speak with the Armor of God people and also to visit with my son from Fort Cavazos, uh, it was 108. Now, Lewis, what is it where you are? Uh, today it's supposed to get to 101. Heat index will be about 106 or so. <laughs> 101. Pretty warm. You better wear. You better wear a coat. Yeah, yeah. 
my wife and I, we came back. We came back to Ohio, and the the temp was sixty six. And I told her, I said, we just lost yeah. forty degrees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's quite a difference. Yeah. So, given that, um, what what's happening with your grandson here? Well, it was in around mid May when my uh, there my son in law daughter and a grandson he's eight and a little baby girl's a year and a half or two and a half. They were at a at a function uh, a meal, and he they're sitting together and my my uh, grandson was showing the little choking sign to 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 his dad and right away he looked at him and he said he couldn't breathe he was choking so so dad popped up gave him the Heimlich. And after a little bit, he popped up a grape, a whole grape that had gotten stuck in his little throat. And, uh, of course, it scared the heck out of dad and mom. And, and But, you know, they, they got through it, and he was teary-eyed, a little scared himself. But, uh, you know, he got through the day okay. He did eat a little bit and continued to eat fairly normal. But uh, then in July, while they were visiting over here in San Antonio, uh, we are at a, at a restaurant, and after we ate, uh, we're looking around at some things there in the restaurant, and he started to show Mama that he was choking again, like he couldn't breathe. So Mom right away went into action, gave him the Heimlich uh, for a few seconds, and, and then he, he, he waved it off that he was okay, he was okay. So he wasn't, there was nothing that came up, didn't appear like he was choking on anything. He'd already eaten and had just been sipping on, on a drink. But uh, from that point forward, he was just real shy, about eating, he was like fearful to eat. At uh, the next meal, he just barely ate a little bit, was chewing it a long time. And he began to, to over time, the next few days, just to eat very little of whatever was offered to him. And he would spit some of it out. And uh, it was really concerning mom and dad, of course, and everybody that, uh, you know, he's not getting nutrition. What's going on here? And they, mom and dad tried to talk to him about. You know, uh, was it just he was afraid to choke? Was that what was going on? And trying to, you know, uh, encourage him to eat a little bit. And and it went on like that where he was barely eating. He would eat a little bit, but but just just barely. And here over the last few days, he's back in Kansas now where they're they're stationed. He has eaten a little bit more, uh, and he's been given the effort to eat a little bit more. But still not normal to where what he used to eat. But it seems like he's starting to improve a little bit. Uh, so easiest easiest thing to do is to uh, give him foods that uh, he can't choke on, you know, applesauce and uh, uh, nutrition drinks and things like that. That's the easiest thing to do right now in this little bridge time here before as he moves his way back. Um, I would say, um, I would I would I would tell him I'd say, you're not going to choke because we're right here. And even if that would happen, which is not going to, but even if it would, we're right here. We can fix it. It's not a problem. All right? So that's the first thing. Second thing is I'd, I'd, I'd let him have uh, some foods that is easy to swallow, stuff that's nutritional, you know, whole milk, stuff like that. Um, but then I would say I would, I would make it uh, probably a requirement that he has to try a few things that are that are safe, you know, maybe um, nothing nothing like a grape, but something that he can chew, like a little bit of chicken or bread, something that he can chew up real good. And I I want to see some effort, 
Uh, and keeping in mind, if you don't do that, you're not getting any dessert. I mean, that dessert is contingent upon you chewing up a few things that we give you that are very safe. I would do that. Okay. Um, yeah. Because we we got to get him past this fear. It's not like he's he's moving past it anyway. But there's a lot more to say about this, and I want to say about it in a future look back call. Um, yeah. But that's what it is. It's 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 kind of a, a gradual get it get it over with, get it passed. Has he lost weight? Yeah. He it, to me, just on appearance, it looked like he was starting to lose a little bit of weight. And uh, my daughter did weigh him uh, once they got back home, and is kind of kind of monitor that. And it it sounds as if they've been listening to you all along because they have tried what you were what you were uh, suggesting here. They they do they did find a, a protein drink that's safe for him to drink, and he's been doing that. And they've been trying to to coax him along. Trying. To I, wouldn't so, I wouldn't yeah. coax. I wouldn't coax. I I would quit. I mean, I, see, that's the problem you run into, because now this has been going on for a couple months. And they're trying to yes. coax him, and 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 meal times are now becoming stress times. Oh boy, can we get him to take a few bites? No, I personally would require it. I would say you're okay. going to take a few of these bites. You're going to see they're not going to hurt you. You got to find that out, and you're not getting any dessert if you don't. And furthermore, I don't know what else I might do about this. So you're going to have to try to try these things, and I may just decide uh, some of your freedoms are going to be curtailed if you don't. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll pass that along. Thank you very uh, much. All righty, sir. Appreciate your advice. Listen uh, to you as often as I can, and appreciate you, sir. And listen after the break, because I'm going to add a little bit to this. This is Dr. A. Program okay. Doctor is in. Doctor is out. Ciao, amici. Hello, friends. Teresa Tamio here. Ever notice that common sense isn't so common anymore? Each time we check our news feeds or turn on the TV, it seems the world is getting wackier. While we desperately need a return to basic common sense. And Rosie Posey, my mom, a street smart theologian from Jersey City, is just the person we need to help us restore it. So if you need a little bit more help with some common sense or know someone else who needs it, pick out my new book on our store, Everything's Coming Up Rosie, at AveMariaRadio.net's online store. What if you moved more? Could this change the course of disease? I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. Dr. James Hicks of the University of California says that exercise not only helps prevent disease, but it can actually alter disease trajectories. If you are able to move in some way, you can move more. Even seated, just move your arms and legs more. That's adding cardio to your life. If you add lifting a few weights or using bands, this can help. I said help prevent major diseases. Don't forget counting gardening, walking a big box store, bike riding, and even dancing. We are encouraged to add 7,500 steps a day to our life. One day last month, I fertilized the lawn, weeded the garden while listening to great Catholic content, and walked the dogs twice. I got almost 10,000 steps in before 3 p.m. If I can do it, so can you. For more, look for our Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399.
Dr. Ray Garandi here. Program Doctor is in Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern Time. Co-production of the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and Ave Maria Radio Communications with my compatriots there in Ann Arbor. Andrew Kruchek, producer man. Eric Dumont, first line call screamer man. Okay, just, just want to add a little bit of what Lewis and I were talking about. <laughs> Actually, I was doing most of the talking. Um, when... A young person has an eating disorder. Let's just say it's anorexia and a severe eating disorder, which results in unhealthy weight loss, severe unhealthy weight loss. And they have to be hospitalized. They are put into an inpatient setting. One of the ways that they deal with the problem, which which stems from, in many respects, a, a warped self-view, a self-view that is not in line with reality. Sound familiar? They put them on a behavior modification program. They give privileges on the basis of weight gain. So it isn't just a matter of, well, we're going to get you in therapy and you're going to talk about all this. Because what they find is therapy isn't necessarily all that effective. Some it is, but for many it's not. They have to make it in the person's interest, if you will, to gain weight. To get out of the unhealthiness of weighing 72 pounds when you're 14 years old and you're five foot three. That's bad. It's really bad. The goal is to get them to get their weight back up. And the way they do it is the withholding of privileges and the granting of privileges. Now, the little eight-year-old guy, when Lewis was calling in about his grandson, um, the parents can do that. They can say, you know, you need to try these these foods. They're perfectly safe. I'm not asking you to swallow a, a whole black raspberry, an olive, keeping away from all of the things that would be generalized, anything circular, anything like that. I would tell them, you cut up as many pieces as you want. I don't care. You must slice up the chicken till it's almost pureed. That's your business. But you're going to see, you're going to find out that what you've talked yourself into is not going to happen. That's one of the biggest things with fears. In one's mind, people believe, if I do that or if I don't do that, this is what's going to happen. And they have to find out that it's not. With kids, that's relatively easy because the parents can can show them it's not. With grown-ups, it's much harder. Because if a grown-up doesn't want to be uncomfortable finding out that something they fear is not going to happen, they're not going to do it. I had a client once. This was many, many years ago. She was completely housebound. And the only reason she could come to talk to me was because her husband would bring her. Other than that, 
I think maybe she could go a few places if he was with her. But she had convinced herself there was danger out there in that world. And obviously, there is at some level, some small, small level. I don't know whatever happened to her, but I do know that she was not going to leave that house. And any amount of therapy wasn't getting us anywhere. It was not happening. So unless it was made to be in her very best interest to leave that house, even if it's just a block at a time, she wasn't going to do it. Now, this little 8-year-old grandson of Lewis's, they can show him that was an isolated, most likely one-off incident. We took care of it. See, that's the other thing. They're probably, and I think they need to let him know, but I, you, you can't continue to reassure. That's probably the first-line behavior that, that parents do. If a kid has a fear, whether it's mommy's not in the room or a fear of eating or a fear of the bed sleeping at night. By the way, do you ever notice that? Kids have a lot of fears around bedtime and eating. Wouldn't we like to be able to eat as much as we want and not gain weight? And little kids can do that. They can eat and sleep all they want. And they don't want to. See, I think God just wired life backwards. That's all. When you were a little kid, you could eat everything you wanted. Wouldn't gain any weight. You could sleep. You could take naps. Pretty much not a problem. Wouldn't interfere with anything else. And you fought it. I fought it. I look back on it now. It's one of my biggest regrets of being five. I had a chance. And I didn't take advantage of it. Now, I can't sleep as much as I want. And I can't eat as much as I want. I let it slip away. But the reassurance aspect seems to be the nicer way to go. But as Lewis pointed out, and as our our caller earlier pointed, pointed out, Lee, I think it was, all the reassurance was making it worse. You'd think it'd make it better, right? That's that's what intuitively you would believe. If I reassure you, if I calm you down, it'll make it better. And, and it can, if it's on the very front end of a just nascent fear, like that word, nascent, I've been waiting to use that word, it just early on, beginning fear, in its, in its birth stages. M- maybe that kind of reassurance can work. I had a fear once. I was uh, seven years old, and I developed this fear. And Sister Liguori, Sister Liguori told me, that isn't something you have to worry about. And I remember exactly where we were sitting. We were sitting in the front pew of St. Anthony's Church in Canton, Ohio, the parish of Rita Rizzo, now known as Mother Angelica. That's right. We went we went to the same parish. My dad was there, I think, when she was there. And <clears throat> I remember exactly where I was. And I walked out of there totally fear-free. And that can happen. But when when it's apparent that the constant reassurance is only making it worse you got to cut back on the reassurance with a goal of cutting back to zero if you can thank you for joining me i'm uh, leaving you for now try to hang on until tomorrow walk with god he says be not afraid 
For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.